Hello and welcome to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I am Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, and I appreciate you spending the next one half hour with me. When I was over at the truck stop this morning having coffee, I spotted at the fuel pumps what ended up being a 1979 Kenworth conventional with a single sleeper. It was a survivor. The red paint was all faded, but it was faded evenly. The man told me that his best friend bought it new in 1979 and paid $63,000 for it. He has had it for about six years. Sadly, his buddy died and he bought it from his son. The truck originally came from Packar with a 13-speed Road Ranger and a Detroit Silver 92. When it was about 20 years old, it was converted to a Cummins Big Cam 400 and a 15-speed transmissions. Transmission, transmissions, right? The Cummins is still in it. It was a sweet truck for its day with the air ride rear suspension and air slide fifth wheel. What I found interesting, and I forgot about this, there was a factory ground cable from the fifth wheel to the frame. That was for static electricity. And I may be wrong, but I don't think they do that anymore. I'm going to confirm that the next time I see a bobtail rig parked. I'm going to keep my eyes open for that. Then at the end of the truck parking lot, there was a step deck trailer with four new Ford F650 and 750 chassis cabs on it. The 1650 had the Godzilla gas engine. What was cool about that is Ford puts a slightly modernized version of their old V8 emblem on the door. That is real neat. I love when all these companies go retro and then just modernize it a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it just proves that things were better back years ago. But anyway, I won't go there. What I liked about, what I, what I really like about seeing something like this is that I could look underneath to, you know, to a certain extent while standing up. So it, you get a bird's eye view of things, especially when a truck of that, or a trailer like that being shipped. The gas job had a big device on the rear of the drive shaft as it goes into the differential that looked almost something like a damper. But the 650 with the diesel did not have that. I have to see if I could find out what that was. You'd think it would be the other way around if it is a damper. I've never seen anything like that on the end of a drive shift, so I don't honestly know what it was. What I, do, what I did not like on the gas truck was how the driver's side exhaust pipe made a right angle bend to meet with the other and then go into one catalytic converter. It did it right after the transmission pan. That is a sweet engine, the Godzilla, and the truck, and it, you know, those, those new medium-duty F-series are nice trucks, but from my perspective, it is just begging, begging, begging for a set of full-length headers and a true dual exhaust, or at least two pipes until the muffler, and move the muffler closer to the rear axle. A general rule being, you never want a right angle bend in the exhaust, and the farther you move a restriction from the exhaust port of the cylinder head, the less less impact it has. That's with anything. The further, so the further you move a restriction in an exhaust system, any type of engine away from the exhaust port, it has less impact because, believe it or not, the pipe actually acts like a plenum. The length of the pipe and the muffler in the exhaust system is a storage, so it has less impact on it. But almost every V-shaped engine with a single exhaust has a right angle pipe connecting the two. So I guess I can't be too disappointed. Well, back to business now, right? Stop talking about trucks. I want to congratulate Jason from West Islip, New York. 
He answered my call to email me and let me know where you're listening from. He owns the first push pin in my map. When you have a chance, please send me an email to hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com along with your first name and where you listen. I will then give you a shout out on the next episode and mark where you are from on my wall map. I want to thank you in advance for that. If you're wondering wondering what today's show is going to be about, I will be discussing how to diagnose a weak ignition system. And I invite you to go to my website, farmmachinerydigest.com, and listen to my Idle Chatter podcast on the right to repair. You can listen to other podcasts there also. It's like 160 different shows. But the right to repair just launched about a week or two ago. I provide what I think is unique, unique perspective on this subject that is once again in the news. And if you are new to my show, it airs every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern with a replay Sunday at 6 p.m. exclusively on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147, and on their app, the Sirius XM app. And never forget, agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. Now, Sirius XM lets you keep listening to Fox News Primetime outside the car. Take the five. Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, Neil Cavuto, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and Shannon Bream on the go with the Sirius XM app. Plus, hear special interviews and highlights. The Fox News Primetime lineup. Whenever you want, wherever you want, with the Sirius XM app. The Sirius XM app is now included free for most subscribers. Just download the app today and tap News. This Iowa Minute is brought to you by the Iowa Farm Bureau. Dr. Brent Haynes has a busy family practice in Knoxville. His situation is hardly unusual. 73 of Iowa's 99 counties have a doctor shortage. For 20 years, Farm Bureau has encouraged Iowans to finish their residency and practice in rural Iowa. Nearly $200,000 in scholarships have been awarded. I received when I graduated in 95. You get paid in residency, but not a whole lot. And so it's a nice shot in the arm at a time at a time in your career where you certainly need it. We do inpatient care, and we take care of people in the nursing home, and we take care of people at hospice. I still deliver babies, and that's a huge rush. It's yeah, a great place to be part of the community, still be involved with science, still be involved in people's lives. Additional support of the Rural Physicians Loan Repayment Fund was announced in a special news conference. With your Iowa Minute, I'm Lori Johns. The Rural Evening News, the only primetime newscast that matters to rural America. That report is out. Caught me by surprise. Grain and livestock markets kind of going all over the place. The weather outlook for the coming days. This system is really picking up some steam. And Western sports. An incredible ride you will have to see to believe. In one jam-packed half hour. The Rural Evening News, weeknights at 7.30 Eastern. On Rural Radio, Channel 147, the Agribusiness and Western Lifestyle Channel. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey. And what we are going to be talking about today, as I said in the opening segment, is diagnosing a weak ignition system. And a weak ignition system can often lead you astray 
because if it has no spark, it's one thing, but if it has a weak spark or some other maladies that you may not even think is ignition, it could lead you down the wrong path. So, you know, at, at one time or another, all of us have been stymied by a gas engine. It could be a big engine or small engine that either had a no start condition, a hard starting or a performance issue that seemed to elude logic. And those are, those are the rough ones, right? When it makes no sense. You got spark, you got fuel, you got compression, and it doesn't run or it doesn't run right. You know, the, so that is something that always could, could trip you up. Often that simple logic doesn't apply in the real world, right? Just because it has all those things, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to run or run properly. Something else is going on in that engine, and it, there's a very, very strong possibility it is with the ignition system. So what it basically does is that the troubleshooting will begin with understanding ignition demand. And that's something that's not spoken about a lot, is ignition demand. People say, oh, it's got spark. But we have to understand ignition demand. And ignition demand is just like a like a plant. A plant needs so much at certain times of its growth stage, it needs more nutrients, more energy, it needs more water, right? So same thing is going on with ignition. So it's the demand cycle of the ignition system. So the so what we need to understand is that an ignition system is considered to be passive. And what I mean by that is the spark plug only takes from the ignition coil. Remember, ignition coil is like a bank. That's where the energy is stored. Takes from the ignition coil what it needs to create an arc across the plug electrodes, so the side and the center electrode. So it has to be recognized that the ignition demand is determined by a number of things, and they are cylinder pressure, engine speed, air-fuel ratio, ignition timing, and spark plug gap. So they all those 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 situ those those areas all impact the ignition demand. Now, cylinder pressure is not meant to be confused with with the compression ratio. Cylinder pressure is the is the, I'll give you the definition. It's the cumulative result of the load on the engine in relationship to the volumetric efficiency and mixture strength. Compression ratio is a design function of the difference in the volume, not the area, the volume in the bore with the piston at bottom dead center compared to what is at top dead center. So that is compression ratio, but cylinder pressure is the result of the, com of the combustion in the cylinder. So cylinder pressure in any gasoline engine and ignition demand are constantly changing under load. It's like blood pressure in a person or an animal, right? You see something nice, your blood pressure drops. You see something that gets you annoyed, or you hear something on the radio, and then and your blood pressure goes up. So cylinder pressure is constantly cycling up and down. At idle, the required energy to arc the spark plug, and that's called the ionization voltage, is very low since the cylinder pressure is minimal. Why is the cylinder pressure minimal at idle? Because the throttle is almost closed, the engine speed, the RPM is low, and there is no load on the engine. If the engine was still idled and a load was applied, let's say like you're en engaging a PTO on a gasoline tractor or a lawn tractor, if you're engaging the idling the engine and you engage the PTO for the, for the mower deck, 
the voltage required to arc the spark plug would increase dramatically. Due to this, the engine may run fine under a given operating state and then bark, pop, misfire when faced with a different condition. So we have to understand this goes up and down the, the amount of load on the coil. You know, in like fashion, during throttle movement, so what they call engineering transient throttle operation, in and out of the throttle, the throttle is being moved open, open and closed, goes both ways. Ignition demand spikes just as the throttle plate, just as the throttle plate is evoked. So just as you step on the throttle, that right door, hand throttle makes no difference. You use the word step on the throttle. The term is that as soon as you open that throttle, that the ignition demand goes up. So to diagnose a performance issue expediently, because that's the whole thing, right? We want to get this thing fixed, not throw money at it, not throw time at it. You need to remember that the electrical demand is linked to load. So now people use the term misfire. So I'm going to ask you, what is a misfire? Well, by definition... An engine is considered to misfire when there is not enough electrical energy going through the spark plug to keep it arcing, or there is a path for the energy to take that bypasses the electrodes of the spark plug. So if you do not have enough energy to keep the spark plug arcing, or it bypasses the electrodes, that is a misfire. Electricity is lazy. We all heard this many times. It will always take the path of least resistance. So if it is easier for it to go or go to go to ground, because remember the spark plug is bringing it back to ground. If it is easier to go to ground through the insulation on the ignition wire, instead of arcing the gap of the spark plug under high cylinder pressure, it will. When this happens, that cylinder will not be contributing to full power if it's a multi-cylinder engine to the crankshaft. The engine will be weak, the unburned fuel will foul the spark plug on that cylinder, and the exhaust will pop. So, so keep in mind that we have to keep that spark plug arcing. Now, what a lot of people don't realize, and we said in the beginning, I said in the first few minutes of the show, this segment, about the different things that impact the ignition, the load on the ignition coil. If the mixture in this cylinder is excessively lean, <clears throat> the engine will misfire since the fuel molecules are too far apart. When the mixture is lean, the flame cannot expand across the bore since it requires both fuel and oxygen for it to expand, or what the proper term is, propagate travel across the bore. In most instances, the flame does begin since the mixture by design is concentrated around the spark plug electrode. Once the flame expands, travels away from that region, it dies out and the cylinder is no longer contributing any power. The demand on the ignition will increase and the energy will look for an easier path. So as a lean mixture, it'll light by the spark plug, but when the flame starts to propagate travel, the air and the fuel molecules are too far apart, the fuel molecules are too far apart, and the flame dies out. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> most engines on the farm have the spark plug fire from the center electrode to the side electrode. So that's the normal path, which then is grounded via the threads of the cylinder. The actual spark plug in any engine, the threads of the cylinder is the ground path, the final path. 
If the primary leads to the coil were accidentally connected in reverse, the amount of energy the coil would produce would be greatly diminished. So you, <clears throat> so you take the coil off and the two primary leads, one is positive, one is negative. If you accidentally reverse them, the amount of energy that the coil will produce is going to be greatly diminished because it's pushing it backwards. Most times the engine would idle, but as soon as any load was applied, it would misfire. It's very common. You're working and the guy reverses the wires. So the proper connection for a coil for a coil of voltage from the ignition switch goes to positive and the wire from either the breaker points or the ignition module goes to coil negative. So ignition switch is positive, coil, coil, ne coil um, negative goes to the distributor. You know, many modern gasoline engines don't employ a traditional distributor, but in, but have a, either a coil on each spark plug or a coil pack that fires two cylinders. But I want to just go back. On the older six-volt systems, because they had a positive ground, it would be the other way. So the power from the ignition switch would go to coil negative, and then coil positive would go to the breaker points. All right, so now we'll go back into modern terms. So they either so modern engines could have, as I said, they, they could have a coil for each spark plug, or they have a coil pack that fires multiple cylinders. When an engine has no distributor, it will use a sensor, and that's what they call distributor ignition. It will use a sensor on the crankshaft to identify each firing event and also have a means for it to recognize number one cylinder. So we're talking about a modern gasoline engine, your car, pickup truck, what have you. The control unit, the ECU, will then count knowing the firing order. This style ignition system allows for a longer arcing time of the spark plug when measured in degrees of crankshaft rotation past top dead center. So because it's working that way and have one coil firing two cylinders or one coil for each cylinder, it is able to keep that, that spark plug arcing for a longer period of time in crankshaft rotational degrees. And that's what the name of the game is, keeping it arcing for as long as possible measured in crankshaft degrees, rotational degrees. When a coil pack is used, that's one solid unit. It's one integral unit and fires many cylinders. When a coil pack is used, it fires differently, differently than a conventional ignition in terms of polarity, and a lot of people don't understand that. So if you look at a lot of engines, they have a coil pack. A coil pack is identified by a, a, multiple coils molded into one. It could be individuals all put together, but not coil on plug, which means there's a spark plug, there's a coil on each spark plug wire. So on a, on a coil pack system, it will fire one cylinder from the spark plug center electrode to the side electrode, that's the normal flow path, and the companion cylinder from the side electrode to the center electrode. So what it's doing, it's using the engine block to send the energy back to the other cylinder and come back to the coil. So now, now that we have a basic review, what are some commonly overlooked ignition problems? So the, the things I'm going to mention can present in many different ways or operating states, but these are the most prevalent. So crack spark plug porcelain, porcelain, and it'll present by misfire bucking under load. The engine may run fine at idle and light load, but start to misfire and buck. So that's a, a crack spark, spark plug. I can't believe I'm talking about porcelain. <clears throat> a fouled plug. 
misfire, no defined operating state, hard starting, especially with a pulse start engine. Weak ignition wire insulation. These are different protocols. The engine runs fine until high underhood temperature in combination with an increase in loaders experienced. The insulation then breaks down <clears throat> and the engine bucks and misfires, but runs fine under cooler and less load or lighter load conditions. When the insulation fails due to heat, it is because the molecules have moved farther apart, making a path for the electricity to take that is easier than jumping the gap of the spark plug. All right, so the wire is not broken, it's the insulation is broken down. You can't see this, all right? Weak ignition coil. The engine idles fine but breaks up under load. <clears throat> and coils do wear out from the constant charging and discharging cycles. So the proper method to check an ignition coil is using the oscilloscope, but you could also use an ohmmeter. So the way you do it is with the, with the meter, you can check for an internal open in the primary windings or excessive resistance. You need to check between the two primary terminals with the meter leads. If you have a shop manual for that engine, small or large, it's always going to give you the, the, the resistance. There's not a standard resistance, a primary resistance specification. And this is especially, especially important on pull-type start engines or other small applications because the coil resistance, the internal resistance is going to make it almost, if it's too high, make it almost impossible to get that engine started. You know, now keep in mind that it is possible for the coil secondary to burn open internally. If this occurs, the engine will run under light load, but misfire under up other conditions. That's because the coil is actually arcing inside, but a test with an ohmmeter will show that it's open. Older style ignition coils were filled with a, with a coolant that was an oil, while the later designs are filled with epoxy. That's why they call them e-coils. So if you remove the secondary lead from an oil-filled coil and it's wet, the coil needs to be replaced. All right? So the proper method to check for spark is with a spark tester. And it's a, it's a tool, it's only a few dollars that you need to buy. It resembles a spark plug, but has a sunken center electrode that simulates a load on the coil. Holding the plug wire and seeing if a spark jumps to ground is inconclusive. The spark is arcing in, in, at, atm in atmospheric pressure. This is substantially less than the energy required for the plug to arc under load under cylinder pressure with the engine trying to start and run. So for an engine to start and run properly, the energy must <clears throat> arc the plug and keep it going until all of the combustible mixture is consumed. Anything less and the engine will run weak, will be weak, run rough, stall, misfire. Your weak ignition is often confused with a fuel problem since the two systems have a lot of codependent. Uh, co Many times, especially with small pull-type utility engines, the carburetor and the fuel are unjustly demonized for a, the carburetor and the fuel are unjustly demonized for a problem that is caused by the ignition system. Think spark first, then fuel, not the other way around.
Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Watch RFD TV anytime, anywhere on all your connected devices with RFD TV now. Simply go to watchrfdtv.com and sign up for just $9.99 a month or save more and pay just $89.99 for the year. You can begin streaming RFD TV live right away and have access to your favorite shows 24 7 on demand. Go to watchrfdtv.com, sign up, and start streaming today. On our farm, we grow wheat, soybeans, corn, and watermelons. I'm a sixth-generation farmer. Willis is seven. The boys are eight. During these uncertain times, one thing is for sure. Farmers across the state of Tennessee and our nation are working every day to ensure that there is a safe, abundant food supply from our family to yours. During this time of crisis, we'd like you to know that we're working hard each day to provide a safe and abundant food supply. Our milk goes from cow to processor to jug in less than three days, so you know it's fresh. As you take on this new normal, whether it's working from home or homeschool mom, rest assured that the farmers and ranchers of Tennessee are doing what we do best. We're still farming. You can submit your videos using the hashtag still farming on social media or email us directly, video at rfdtv.com. And to all the producers out there, may God keep you safe. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm going to have to get right into the toolbox testing. We won't have a reader's letter take as I went along in that segment. So come on in, Tex from Ripsaw Records. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much. Okay, here's your question. You put new tires on your wife's car, and since then she has claimed that she has received an electric shock when she steps out. It does not seem to happen all the time, so she thought nothing of it. The other evening she was driving barefoot, and when she arrived back at the farm, she got out of the car without her shoes on. When her bare foot was near the ground, she got shocked and saw an arc from her toe to the soil. This never happened with the old tires. You think this is crazy, so you ask around. Farmer A says that he has heard of that if women either drive or ride in a vehicle without their shoes on, it is normal. Farmer B tells you that two things are going on. The new tires are building a great deal of static electricity, and there is possibly a weak body-to-chassis ground in her car. When she wears her shoes, she is insulated from the voltage. Farmer C thinks that the alternator is going bad and farmer d feels that it is coming from a cell phone tower but says for her to keep her shoes on so alrighty, the correct answer is farmer b the new tires are building an excessive amount of static electricity due to their tread compound and 
and design. Also, there may be a weak ground from the body to the frame or engine. The possible weak ground was there before the new tires were installed, but was able to allow the static electricity that was produced to be dissipated. I want to thank you all so much for listening and know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed, blessed day. We know you love rodeo as much as we do. And now with the Cowboy Channel Plus app, there's a whole lot more to love. So whether you're listening to live rodeo action from across the country, browsing the archive to catch up on past events, or following along while you listen on the radio, we want to hear about it. Shoot an email to Patrick at RFDTV.com to let Rural Media Group founder and president Patrick Gotch know how you are using the Cowboy Channel Plus. Don't have it yet? Sign up at CowboyChannelPlus.com today. Hey, it's Billy Kinder, host of Kinder Outdoors, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern right here on Rural Radio, Channel 147. He's one of the top bass anglers ever. Greg Hackney's in the camp house with us this weekend, along with Texas Game Warden Captain Steve Stapleton. You've probably seen Steve on Lone Star Law TV. A couple of years ago, he told a story about some apple chunkers that he pulled over in the middle of the night. I've had a request to repeat that, so we will. Saturday morning at 9 right here on Rural Radio, KinderOutdoors.com. This is Sean Haney. If you're serious about ag, it's time to get real and get connected with Real Ag Radio. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in Canada and all of North America. It's your go-to source for the latest ag news impacting producers on both sides of the 49th parallel. Get real and get connected with Real Ag Radio at 4.30 Eastern and don't miss the replay at 7 in the morning on Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. Hi, this is Rob Keck from Bass Pro Shops, the leader in the great outdoors. Join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern for Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Join us every Saturday as we answer the call, that call to preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, presented by Bass Pro Shops, only on Rural Radio and the Sirius XM app. Your adventure starts right here.